Galatians is uh, a very interesting book and unique in this one sense that Paul is fired up. He uses words to sort of signal and wave violently to the Galatian church that they're going off the path, that they're straying far from the gospel. And so this morning, listen for those exclamation points as we read this passage. Starting in verse 11, if you'll stand together as we read God's word. The words of Paul the Apostle in Galatians. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone. Nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went away into Arabia and returned again to, to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. In what I am writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. Only were they hearing it said, he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. You may have a seat as our tradition to sit silently for just a couple of minutes and let the word of God Speak to you. Well, this is the second to the last stop for me before I get off this rapid train. <laughs> I've been running uh, pretty hard the last few days uh, trying to do all of the things that I do here at Christ Community. It was like the perfect storm where all these events sort of came together at once. Uh, Friday night, for example, I was up at 3 a.m. with middle school students here in this building. Uh, and you, you wouldn't know it because there's so many um, outside of me that helped clean this building, but it was really a lot of chaos and um, tribulation, if you will. Uh, but a lot of fun was had, and a lot of kids heard uh, the gospel that night, and it was great. Um, last night, I was in a seminary class uh, on uh, 20th century philosophers, and uh, I drove to Charlotte and back, so it was a, it was a long day. And uh, today I'm preaching, and then tonight is the fall festival. But the fall festival is a downhill. It's, it's great. It's going to be a lot of fun, and I can't wait to be there. Um, but I think after the fall festival, I will fall flat on my face right there on that grass field. So um, if you want to see that, you might want to come this afternoon for that. Um, I'm not alone, though. 
Sam Kennedy is busier than he's ever been. Paul Phillips is running hard. Sarah Owens, if you haven't met her, she's in the front office. Her learning curve is huge, and we've extended her hours to Friday. Rachel Stantliff, she, she runs the nursery care. Man, she is running hard. She actually wears, like, running shoes because she runs so much on Sunday morning. Our volunteers, and I mean dozens of volunteers, are running hard. Our interns, Sarah Littlefield, we've added staff positions. Our church is expanding and growing. This is a whole new service. We never used to have a service in the morning at nine o'clock, but now we do. Our church is moving and growing, and Paul has been preaching in Colossians. And you know the words he said, if you remember, set sail into the community, into the surrounding community, into Haiti and Romania, possibly India or China or wherever you go. Set sail into the community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that has been happening in an explosive way here at Christ Community. You, you not only see numerically our growth, but you also see spiritually our growth. I've had uh, more than two or three dozens conversations. I can't even count. There's so many of, of conversations with people who are asking me the question. I see so much potential, so much fruit How do I set sail? What do I do? How do I make this happen? And there's all these thoughts about strategy, priority, right? Getting the most out of your ministry buck. How do I, how do I do this? What what do I do? I become a Sunday school teacher. Do I become a, a youth leader? Do I join the college ministry? Do I, what do I do? Do I, do I do something with the tutoring program or do I start a new tutoring program? Or how, how can I be a better dad or a mom, or how can I go into my job? That's a big question. How do I do this? How do I set sail into the community and proclaim the gospel? And so I thought it would be helpful for us to stop and just remember the things that many of us already know, but to remember the things that are our foundation so that as we set sail into the community, we don't lose sight of what we're actually doing. And that's what Paul does so well in Galatians chapter one. That's what he does so well, because here it is. The Galatian church is going off the path and Paul is waving his hands saying, Hey, who has bewitched you? I can't believe you have been so foolish as to throw away the gospel and to pervert it to something else and then put that as the centerpiece of your church and your ministry and your life. And so Paul is bringing us back, bringing us back to the revealed gospel. In this passage, there are three things we're going to talk about this morning. There's a lot more, but we're going to focus on three things that I think Paul brings out and that will help you ground yourself before you set sail. Make sure you have this in your minds. First of all, about the revealed gospel, where does it come from? What is it and where is it going? Easy, right? Where did it come from? What is it? And where is it going? So first, where it came from. Well, the easy answer is you read through the passage. The easy answer is found in verse 11 and 12. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. So the answer to the question is Jesus Christ. It's, it's God. It comes from God. But that's important for a very specific reason in this passage. Now, you might guess that the specific reason that Paul is bringing this up 
is to better his reputation. There's the Galatian church. Paul is waving, hey, come back to the gospel that I preached to you. Later on, he says, I tell you the truth. I'm not lying. So you might think that Paul is saying it's from God because he wants to better his reputation. But then that's not really what he does, is it? Because in verse 13, he says something that's not really flattering. For I did not, sorry, 13, for you have heard of my former life. Now, anytime you start, you start a testimonial that way, you're going to get into your sinful past. The time before you met Christ, when you were foolish or blind or deaf and you were going in the wrong direction. So is Paul really trying to better his reputation? Probably not. Not in this passage. So what is he doing? Well, he talks about his former past. And he constantly talks about just how he uh, was a Pharisee and how he was trying to get everybody to obey the law. And he was all about righteousness Well, his point is this, since the revealed gospel is from God, no Pharisee would ever do this to himself. There isn't a Pharisee alive that would think one morning, I'm just tired of being a Pharisee. I'm going to go and go against the law. I'm going to go against everything I've ever said as a Pharisee. I'm going to throw them all out. And then I'm going to serve the cursed Jesus Christ. No Pharisee would do that. So Paul is proving to you and me because you think this might just be paul's words if you go to to many many seminaries and colleges universities you study the new testament writings a lot of professors this is the way of the world they say well even maybe if, if if paul even said this it's still just paul and paul is saying no it's not this revealed gospel is from god now Here's a reason why it's important for you and me. Same reason it was important for the Galatian church. The Galatian church is standing on sand, shifting sand. You remember the parable of Jesus. If you build your house in the sand, waves come in, knock it down. Then you build it on rock, wave comes in. It's safe, right? So in Galatia, they're standing on sand. I took a lot of teenagers to Hatteras last summer, and we walked down the dunes there. And as we did, we fell. Now, it could have been the wind, but it really wasn't. Could have been the downward slope, but it really was. You know what it was? It was our feet. As soon as you put it in sand, sunk just a little bit and then twisted to the right. And then you just fell over because it's shifting all the time. Anything that that pushes against the sand, the sand will give way and shift and change. This is man's opinion. Paul calls it man's gospel. This gospel is not man's gospel. This is the opinions. You and I, I know you know this. You and I are inundated, immersed in man's opinion. We wake up to the Today Show. We get five minutes of objective news and 35 minutes of man's opinion. All the way from what's going to keep you healthy to what looks fashionable. This is actually not what makes you look fashionable, but that's what they say. How to cut your hair, how to raise your kids, what, what are politics doing, what about this, what about that, how to live a good life. This is man's, now it, it, it's all over the news channels, all through the day, we've got talk shows after talk shows after talk shows after talk, and all they do is they invite people who are interesting and they talk. Man's opinion, man's opinion. Here's a couple of things that strike me. First, it's everywhere. Second, it's confident 
they present their opinions confidently. Okay? And that's shifting sand. Why do we call it shifting sand? Because men are shifting. People shift. Everybody contradicts everyone else. And where do you stand? Right? Think about your perceptions, your five senses, how you perceive the world. And if you start to think about that, you'll realize you're not seeing the whole picture, are you? There's so many limitations you have on yourself. So you can't possibly see the truth by yourself. It has to be revealed. That's the point of the gospel. It is a revealed gospel from God. This is bedrock we're talking about. Now, in Dubai, you know that great city in the United Arab Emirates. You know this great city has a large number of high-rises. They love high-rises. And the fancier, the better. In fact, if you go there, you see in the last 10 years just like weeds, just shooting up. And there are over 900. I read something on Wikipedia. 911. It's ironic. There are 911 high-rises in Dubai. Exactly, right? And, there, and, and of those high-rises, all of them are about 600 feet or higher. At least 600 feet tall. The Burj Khalifa, I think it's called, is 2,717 feet. Now, here's the thing. They're all sitting on sand. How do you build a building sitting on sand? Well, the answer is you don't. And they don't. The engineers don't. Do you know what they do? They drill down. Hear me. This is Paul talking through Galatians. They drill down through the sand looking for bedrock. They're drilling down through the sand to get to bedrock. They make these holes five feet in diameter. They have to go 164 feet through the sand to the bedrock. And then they do that 192 times. Fill it with concrete, then they build their building. Do you see that? That's the gospel. That's your job and my job. We are man's opinion drillers, and we drill down through man's opinion looking for the bedrock. And the bedrock is Jesus Christ, it is from God. That's the point Paul is trying to make. Don't build anything without that. So when you set your sail to go into the community and proclaim the gospel, to go to Romania or Haiti or possibly India or China or wherever you go, realize that you are standing on bedrock. They, no one needs your opinion. Everyone needs the bedrock of God. So that's where it comes from. That's why it's important. Let's move on. What is it? Now, when you look at this passage, it's a little frustrating at first to answer the question, what is the gospel? So, me, I'm kind of a list guy. I look through here for a list. Paul the Apostle frequently frustrates me. If you look for lists, it's going to frustrate you too. Here it is. Read through for I did not receive it, for I have heard of my former life, how I persecuted the Okay, there's no list there. Let's go down 18. There it is. There it is. Then after three years, oh, that's not a list either. Okay, there's no list here. Paul doesn't list it out. You know what I had to do in in college? Someone asked me the question, David, what is the gospel? Ashamed as I was, I I fumbled. 
I was like, well, it's about God. I mean, you know, it's sin and Jesus comes along at some point and you have to, you have, to have faith. But it's not having the faith of faith in Santa Claus. But I was just fumbling. I, I couldn't quite figure out at the end of what I said. I was like, is that it? Oh, wait, the Holy Spirit. I, I forgot. I forgot about the Holy Spirit. Oh, wait, wait. There were prophets in the old. I mean, I didn't know where to start or end. It was hard. That's why we have creeds. That's why you have affirmations of faith. That's why people write things down into systematic theologies where they organize all our thoughts together. All this Paul the Apostle jumblings, if you will, disorganized, and we put it into a, to a, to a list. And we say, that's the gospel. You see, that's the complete gospel. Crusade was super helpful for me. Super helpful. Campus Crusade came to me, and they said in the form of the leader that came to me, said, hey, there's four laws. Boom, done. God, sin, Jesus, repent. And I'm like, I can do that. God, sin, Jesus, repent. There it is. There's your list. It's very easy. And from that point on, I can't tell you how, 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 how essential that is uh, to ground yourself in things that matter and to escape things that don't. Right? If we're going to talk about the color of the carpet, color of the carpet, God, sin, Jesus, repent. Okay, I don't really care. <laughs> right? I mean, strategizing. How do we do this? How do we do that? Is it best to feed them first and then preach to them? Or preach to them first and then feed them? Okay, John, Jesus. Okay, I don't, it's, it's not on my top priority list. The gospel is centered and it's a list and it's helpful. But if you look for the four things here, you don't see it. You, you have to sort of read into it or read around it or kind of just pull it out and mine it out. And why is that? Well, it's a curious thing. If we read it again... It might dawn on you a little bit about what's going on here. He talks about his former self, Paul does. Do you know what Paul, or I should say Saul, believed? He persecuted the church. But why? Why, why did he stand and let Stephen fall martyred at his feet? And, and look at that whole thing approvingly. What was in his mind? Was he... A serial killer? Was he crazy? Did he want blood? Did he like the violence? Is that what was his motivation? And that's not what Paul says. Okay, so let's look at Paul for just a moment. As you read through this passage and you understand other passages where Paul talks about himself. And you realize Paul was a Pharisee and now you understand what Pharisees go for. Here's what Paul's motivation was. Listen, Paul wanted to go back to King David. That glorious passage that, that our Paul read this morning to get us into prayer, right? That dedication of the temple, that moment of unity where there's no divided kingdom. Babylon is way off in the future. The book of Judges is way off in our past. This is the moment of unity, our temple, our reputation. Everything is being fulfilled. This is the nation of Israel. Echo, echo, echo. This is a great moment for the nation of Israel. That's what is in the minds of Paul and the Pharisees. You want to get back to that. And the way they do that is just like in the book of Judges, the cycle of apostasy. You remember this? They worship God. Everything's great. Ooh, they worship an idol. Ooh, God comes and judges them with the Philistines or the Midianites or the whoeverites, right? They come and judges. They call out for help. God sends a prophet who then saves them. Samson, Deborah, Samuel, who saves them. And then they start over again. They worship God. Ooh, there's an idol. Ooh, there's judgment. Call out for help. There's a, this cycle of apostasy happens again and again. And for Paul the apostle, judges never ended. The book of Judges never ended. 
went right through. The cycle carried all the way through Chronicles, Kings, all the way through the divided kingdom after Solomon, where Assyria came, destroyed the temple. Babylon came, exiled the people. That's the book of Daniel, right? This is Paul is thinking we have to get back to, to David, to the kingdom. So that's Paul's motivation. Now, what he wants, what he thinks God wants, is that the nation of Israel needs to be righteous. They need to call out for God. And they're at this point now where they're coming back from, from Babylon and they've rebuilt the temple and, and they're just starting to get their first few steps. And they're like, okay, we're almost there. Let's keep this going. The laws of the Old Testament, let's honor them. That's Paul's motivation. Then Jesus comes. And what does Jesus do? Jesus does three things that for Paul completely destroys his faith in Paul as being the Samson or the prophet or the Deborah or whatever. He's, Jesus is not this. Number one, Jesus said, I will destroy the temple. And to a Pharisee, that's, are you wanting to go back to Judges? I mean, are you kidding me? We just built this thing, and it's the second one, by the way, and it's pretty nice. Let's keep it. Secondly, Jesus says, Pharisees, you all are serpents, a brood of vipers. You're hypocrites. You're whitewashed tombstones, right? You follow your father, the, the serpent himself, Satan. You're calling me a son of Satan? So Paul's already off, off, you know, like off the path there. He does not like Jesus, and Paul knew about Jesus. Now, the third thing is the clincher. Three courts curse Jesus. The Romans, the Jews, and high heaven. That's true. All three of them cursed Jesus. Including, It's not like Paul thought that God cursed Jesus, and he really didn't. No, God did curse Jesus. It was plain for everybody. God cursed Jesus. You hang him up on a tree, he's cursed. So why would you follow this person? See, that's Paul's thinking. And then on the road to Damascus, he encounters the gospel. Now let's read 11 and 12 with that in your minds. And you'll see not a list, but you'll see the gospel. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel was pre that was preached by me is not man's gospel. 12. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a re revelation of Jesus Christ. Did you see it? It's not a revelation from Jesus Christ. It's a revelation of Jesus Christ. The gospel is a person, not a list. Helpful to have creeds. Helpful to have lists. Helpful to have a systematic theology. But never forget, all of those point to a person, the person of Jesus Christ. So when you set sail into the lost and dying community, right? whether it's home or Romania or Haiti or India or China, wherever you go, just remember what you're doing is introducing people to a person. That's why Paul says this, I was not taught it. Right? Let's say teacher, first day of school, comes up in front of the class. Thank you, students, for coming to my math class. During this semester, we're going to learn a lot of math. But before we get to math, I'm going to teach you me. And the kids think, well, I must have misheard that. Did you say you're going to teach us you? 
You're what? Your method of doing that? No, I'm going to teach you me. See, that doesn't really work, does it? That language doesn't really work. The word teach, you look it up in the concordance, try to find it next to the gospel. Teach the gospel doesn't happen in the New Testament. Other words are used because it's more than merely teaching some facts and figures and some things. You're introducing people to a person, and you can't teach a person. Now, teaching is included. Preaching is included. Giving is included. Feeding the naked. Clothing the naked. Feeding the... Well, yeah. Doing all those great services and works of deeds. Those are awesome things to do. All of that sets up an introduction to a person. So if you do your ministry, whether it's tutoring or teaching or feeding or playing games or doing lock-ins or whatever you're doing, if you don't get to the person, it's a waste of time. That's what Paul says. It's a waste of time. Let's close these doors. We're wasting our time, energy, and money if we don't introduce people to Jesus, the person. So that's the helpful, helpful uh, exhortation from Paul. What is the revealed gospel? Now, finally and briefly, where did this come from, or where is it going? We know where it came from, and now we're going to talk about a little bit where it's going. Now, the answer to that, of course, is out. It's not buried treasure. It is an explosion. It's not buried treasure. It is an explosion. Uh, Verse 24, that's where we're going here. Simple phrase. And they glorified God because of me. Think to yourself of saying that. Like this. I led a Bible study last Thursday night. And at the end of the Bible study, the members of the Bible study glorified God because of me. I let a lock-in, and at 3 a.m., that's kind of the end of the lock-in, because, you know, 3 a.m., the middle schoolers all glorified God because of me. Nobody would really feel comfortable saying that, right? We want to take ourselves out of the equation, and God says no. He insists That the revelation of God, of Jesus, the person, is accompanied by the works of man in a mysterious, wonderful connection. Now, you have to ask yourself, why? Why, God? Why do you need me to tutor or feed or clothe or teach? Why? Why do you need my money? And there's an answer. Because, and listen to the phrase, they glorified God because of me. What's happening there is that that Paul has a front row seat to see people change and glorify God. Now, it's not glorify each other. It's not glorify me. But it's a front row seat to see them not glorify God and then me. And then they do glorify God. A front row seat. God insists for you, the Christian, to be in the front row of that life transformation. Don't hand a track out and say, good day, and leave. It, it, it's not what God wants. I mean, I'm not saying don't ever do that. You can you know, definitely hand a track out. And what struck me about Kelly's 
um, her her speech this morning was was that everything was just this huge teamwork of people all around her forming her and shaping her it was great and that's what it always is it's a track it's a person it's a this it's a that it's a you know so so it's okay but but not merely don't just think I'm just going to keep handing out Bibles or keep handing out tracks and never get personally involved. Because that, that just, you're not going to be in the front row seat. You're going to be in the nosebleed section. And when the transformation happens, they're going to glorify you. And you're not going to really be there. You need to be there, says God, says Paul. Now, Jim Gaffigan is a comedian. I'll close with this. <clears throat> it's appropriate. Jim Gaffigan is a comedian. Some of you know him. And I watched an eight-minute um, segment of his stand-up about bacon and camping and, and these kind of things. And I laughed so hard. I mean, he was healing to me. It was so funny. I was on the floor rolling around laughing. Okay, guess what I did? Here's a few things that I did. I watched it again. And then again, third, third time. I, you know, I started to memorize it. Okay. I, I started to really watch it a lot. But then I couldn't just... It's not buried treasure, is it? You've been there. When you see something great, you want to just give it away. And here's two scenarios, Christians, and Paul's going to ask you to do one, not the other. Here's one. I text it to my friends and my family who are far away from me, right? Hey, watch this video. And two days later, I say, hey, did you watch that video I texted you? Yeah, it was funny. <laughs> Lame. That's nosebleed section. What I do is I wait for Shelly to get home. And then when she does, she walks through the doors. The kids go upstairs. Shelly, you have to watch this video, right? I set up my computer and I watch it. Now, it has a, a 1.5 million clicks on this Jim Gaffigan's and 0.5 million's me. So I'm not, I'm not saying that I'm wanting to watch the video, right? Do you think the gospel is boring? Well, yeah. I mean, after 100, well, I'm not saying the gospel is boring. Don't hear me say that. But it, it's old news over and over and over and over and over and over. The point is... As I watch the video, I look at Shelly, and I watch her watch the video, and I watch the video through her eyes, and she laughs at different places than I did, and she thinks differently about this, and I, and I appreciate the video even more because Shelly laughs in different ways. Do you see the connection to the gospel? I know the gospel. I know Jesus, but they don't, and when you're sitting in the front row and they Jesus reveals it. I mean, you're serving, you're sweating, you're bleeding, you're, you're, serving, you're just doing all those great things. You're teaching. You've got to look for that revelation. Where is it going to happen? When is it going to happen? And when it does, okay, just blinders on that moment of revelation. And you will experience the thrill of your life because of me. They glorified God because of me. So in summation, when you set sail into the community with the the, the, to proclaim the gospel wherever you go. Remember where it came from. Remember what it is. And remember where it's going. Let's pray. Father, we lift the gospel into our minds this morning. And remember that it's a person. It's you. You who came. You who died. And you who rose again. And in so doing, all of our sinful life was done away with, and your perfect life was given to us. Father, may this church take the gospel into the community and watch for the moment where they glorify you. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.